We are in week three of a series called Be Like Jesus, and um, Kevin set this up a couple of weeks ago. Last week, obviously, was VBS week for us, um, and uh, we, we had a great day, a family day, and we kind, of, we, we kind of took a little bit of a detour from the series. Um, if, you're, if you're unaware if it's VBS, come up on stage. There's still glitter everywhere, um, and there's probably glitter in some of your seats, too, so if you're wearing black pants, haha, gotcha. Um, but we are in week three of this series. Basically, what we're talking about is, yes, when, when, when we accept Jesus, when we decide to have that relationship with him, we have life. But Jesus didn't just call us to have life. He wants us to have life more abundantly. And so everything we do after making that decision for Christ needs to follow what Jesus gave for us as an example. And to be more like Jesus means to have life more abundantly in everything. And that's where being like him comes in. One of the parts of Jesus' life that I've always found very interesting is how he does ministry. Um, I've noticed, you know, as you read throughout, throughout his story, the Gospels, so often Jesus is going to people instead of asking people to come to him. You know, somehow in our modern church culture, we have these buildings and we ask people to come to the building. But Jesus was constantly going. He was constantly going to people. He was going to meet them where they were. He was going from city to city and going to people's houses and having dinner with them and, and meeting them in situations where they needed him the most. And I'm not saying that the church building is not a good thing. It is. And in 2018, you, you have to kind of do things this way. It's a great opportunity for us to come together. I love the local church. But to be like Jesus means spreading the gospel outside of these four walls, telling people that we come in contact to every day about who, the, who God is. And the thing is, Jesus was for everyone. He was not, when he was walking this earth, he was not a rich man's God. He was not a poor man's God. He was not just God for the healthy or God for the sick. He was not God for certain people groups or ethnicities. He was God for everyone. He was for everyone. There wasn't anywhere that Jesus didn't go where he didn't impact people. There was not a step he didn't take that he was not impacting the people around him. Just like us, when Jesus went to the supermarket, when he went to market, he was with people. When he went into town, there were people. Come on. You guys know, if you've ever been to Walmart on the first day of the month, there are people that need Jesus, okay? And everywhere Jesus went, there were people who needed him. So every step he took, there was nowhere that Jesus didn't go that he didn't share the heart of the Father. There was nowhere that he didn't travel. Uh, so I want to look at some scripture today. i got two pieces of scripture we're going to go through. The first of which is Matthew 5, verse 14. A lot of you guys know it. It's pretty popular. I want to read it together, and then we'll dive in this morning. Matthew 5, 14 through 16 says this. You are the light of the world. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand, and it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way... Let your light shine before others, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your Father in heaven. One version says this, we're going public with this. We're going as public as a city on a hill. And I love that version of it. We're going public. And the thing that I find really interesting about this piece of scripture is this was not something Jesus said to a select group of people. He was not saying this to a small group of his disciples. They were not up in some hidden room somewhere. They were not in his office, huddled around a powwow before a service, and he spoke this to them. This was during the Sermon on the Mount, one of the most public and biggest messages that Jesus ever spoke. He was speaking this to everyone who could hear his voice. This was for them. 
Everyone and anyone who decided they wanted to follow Jesus needed to heed these words. And what Jesus is basically saying, you have to shine. If you're wanting to follow me, if you're wanting to, to go on this life journey known as Christianity, following Jesus, being a follower of Jesus, then it's not good enough just to know stuff. You have to shine. And this verse has proved to me that you don't have to be called even into full-time ministry. You don't have to be a pastor. You don't have to serve in kid life. You don't have to do all of these different things in order to make a difference in the people around you. You don't have to be credentialed. You don't have to be licensed in the state of Arkansas in order to tell people about the good news of Jesus. Jesus spoke this out there to everyone who could hear him. Is if you can hear my voice, then you have an opportunity to be a city on a hill and shine so people can see you. And so people can see who Jesus is through you. Here's the truth. There should be no area in our society that we are impacting people for God. There should be no member of your family who does not know about God. Now, you can't force people to make that decision. You can't beat them over the head with the Bible. You can't hypnotize them. God gives us free will for a reason because if he just made us into robots who loved him, where would the love be? So you have to, people have their own free will, but there should be nobody in your life who does not know about God because of you. Everyone you come in contact with, every person you come in contact with should be able to see Christ in us. And you don't have to be a Bible scholar to do this. You don't have to, to have a degree in theology and things like that. God simply wants us to live our lives in a way where people know who we are. If I were to show you a picture of a nun on this screen, you would know immediately who it is, simply by the way they look. If I was to show you a picture of a fireman, you would know immediately what they do for a living based on what they look. In the same way, Jesus is saying, listen, I want people, when you walk up to them and have a conversation, to know exactly who you are. I want them, I want to become infectious. When you walk into a room, they can just sense there's something different about that person. There's a light coming off of them. There's positivity coming out of them. They just love people. They love God. That's a follower of Christ. That's what Jesus is wanting. That's the goal of what he's wanting for our lives. So often we get so preoccupied with knowing a lot about God. We, we can memorize the scripture. We can come to church. Maybe you're even in a life group. Maybe you're serving somewhere. Maybe you come on a Sunday or, or at a conference and we do the Christian karaoke thing, okay? If you don't know what Christian karaoke is, when you come to a service and you just sing the lyrics on the screen, that's it. There's no real engagement. There's no worship. You're just karaoke. You're just singing along. And we go through these motions and we do these things and, and God is saying, okay, that's, that's a great start, but to really be like Jesus to really shine, to be that city on the hill, you've got to have a relationship with them. You have to shine. You have, it has to become infectious. It has to get in you so it can get out of you. Jesus did this constantly in his ministry. When he was on earth, he did this time and time again, and no better story in my mind summarizes, summarizes this better than the story of Zacchaeus. A lot of you guys know this. If you were in Sunday school at all, you've probably heard about Zacchaeus was a wee little man. Okay, he climbed up in a two. Okay, some of you people grew up in church. The rest of you are like, you guys are weird. Okay, um, the story of Zacchaeus, Luke 19. If you got your Bible or Bible app, you can go with me there. I'm going to spend the majority of our time left there today. And if not, it's okay. You can karaoke it on the screen um, today. A little backstory before we get into it. At this point in Jesus' earthly ministry, 
um, he was starting to become very popular. He was traveling around a lot. He was going from city to city. He was telling people about the love of God. He was performing some miracles. He was starting to, to, to gather a crowd. And he, was, he would walk through places, and just people would just pour out of their houses. They would hear about this guy. They wanted to see it for themselves, and so they would come out to see him. The story uh, picks up about Zacchaeus, and we'll just dive into it today. Luke chapter 19, starting in verse 1, says this. Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. A man was there by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. So he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. I want to pause there for just a second. I love how the scripture identifies Zacchaeus by his problem. He was short, okay? Any vertically challenged people, okay, willing to raise their hand and admit it, okay? I can't see you raising your I'm just kidding, okay. Um, but the Bible identifies Zacchaeus by his problem. It immediately looked at him and said, he was short. Everyone knew it. Now, I, I'm, I have to imagine that he was not just slightly shorter than the average person, or, the, or it wouldn't reference that. He was just a short guy. He was a small dude. The Bible references him as that. But yet Jesus started looking past the problems and looked at it as an opportunity. Jesus just didn't see a person by his problem. He saw an opportunity for his glory to be shown. And I wonder how many of us have felt like we have been identified for so long by our problem. How many of us have ever lived our lives identifying as ourselves, I'm short, I'm depressed, I'm alone. We look at ourselves as the problem. But the interesting thing is, it was Zacchaeus' problem that led him to Jesus. Had Zacchaeus just been able to stand there and see, Jesus may have passed by, and Zacchaeus may have went on his way. But because Zacchaeus had a problem, he did something about it, and his problem got him in view of Jesus. And Jesus changed his life forever. Sometimes we look at our problem as a hindrance. When we take our situation, add God to it, it becomes an opportunity for his glory to show. Verse 7, all the people saw this and began to mutter, he has gone to the guest of a sinner. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. Anybody else wish the IRS did that today? Okay, that would be amazing. Okay. Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Abraham, For the son of man came to seek and save the lost. There are a few takeaways in the story I want to highlight today on how we can be more like Jesus, how we can shine, how we can live our lives every day just radiating the love of God. If you're taking notes, number one this morning is walk with purpose. Walk with purpose. Jesus never went anywhere on accident. He did not just go for a walk. Everywhere he went, he walked with purpose. He was on a mission. He walked with the call of God the Father on his life. His steps were ordered. Everything he did had a plan and a purpose to it. And you may not realize it today, but all the steps that you take have a purpose also. 
When you get up in the morning and walk to your car, you're not just randomly walking to your car. You're walking with the intention of going to work, to earn a living, to make money for your family. You're walking with the purpose. If you walk to the bathroom, there's a purpose in that, okay? Sometimes you have to run to the bathroom. There's really a purpose in that, okay? Some of you people with a Fitbit. Anybody with a Fitbit? Anybody got a Fitbit? Come on, let me see you. Let me see you, you weirdos. Okay, listen. If you've got a Fitbit, you weird people are just walking in random circles, just to get your steps up, right? I know it's true. I've seen you do it, okay? You just randomly take steps. You're like, I'm just going to do this. <laughs> Ten more steps. And you just keep going until you hit your goal. There is a purpose. There is a goal in it. You are walking with a purpose. Jesus walked with purpose. I'm out of breath. Jesus walked with purpose and is asking us to do the same thing. He's asking us to purpose ourselves, take our steps with intent, You're not just going to school. You are walking with a purpose. You are not just going to your job. You are walking with a purpose. You are not just raising a family. You are walking with a purpose. We are forgiven and chosen sons and daughters of God. We have been bought with a price. We are walking with purpose whether we realize it or not. God wants us to take what we have, and when we keep that in our mind, when we keep in our mind that we are chosen people, And we walk with purpose in that no matter what we're doing, we can be showing the love of God. Carl Lentz is the, uh, he's the pastor of Hillsong, uh, New York. And he tells this story about one time he was, uh, he got an email from a police officer at his church. And the email said something like, um, Pastor Carl, listen, I was was thinking the other day, I really want to get more involved in ministry. I want to, I want to tell more people about who God is and and I was thinking that when I would retire, then I'll have more time and I'll, 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 I'll use my free time to get more involved, to serve the church and to, to maybe go into the ministry full time or something like that. But then he had a check in his spirit and he realized one day as he was driving, I don't have to wait. And so from that day on, every time he would arrest somebody, he'd put them in the back of the car, he would grab his phone and he would point his phone back there and he would start showing the people he arrested sermons from church that Sunday. And he would just let the the entire time, no matter how long it was, he would take them from where they got arrested all the way to the police station with the phone holding it like this, showing them a message. And he said more often than not, he began to realize that people were, were, were asking questions by the time they got to the police station. Some of them may even be weeping, just wanting a deeper relationship with God. And after they would serve whatever time that they had, they would, he, would, he would notice, he would start seeing them coming to church and then see them start serving and then see them start leading. And he realized, I don't have to wait. I can walk with purpose now. I can, wherever I am right now, I can do something to, to enrich the kingdom of God using the steps that I'm taking right now. You don't have to wait till later. Some of, some of you may be in this place and saying, once the kids are out of school, I can commit more time to the church. I can commit more time to God. Maybe I'll go on a mission trip then. Some of you may say, you know, once, once, once I retire, I can commit more time. Once my job situation changes, once I have more money, I can give more. God is saying, you, you are put where you are right now for a reason. And God wants you to use the opportunities you have to tell people about God right where you are. Use the steps that you have. Walk with purpose right now and watch what happens. Colossians 3.23 says this, Work willingly at whatever you do, whatever it is you do, 
as though you are working for the Lord rather than people. Whatever it is that you're doing, work as if God himself sent you the email and asked you to do it. As if God himself, if Jesus walked into your business and said, hey, I need this done, work as hard as you can as if it were for Jesus himself because that's what the Bible's telling us to do. Jesus wants us to do everything we can with excellence and do it with purpose. And you may say, well, Craig, I, I just grind some beans at Starbucks. That's all I do. That's my job. How, how can I have an impact? You better pray somebody gets those beans. You better pray somebody gets that coffee and gets impacted by the love of God coming out of the beans of coffee. That's the kind of attitude we need to have when it comes to sharing the love of God. Whatever it is that I'm doing, I'm going to do it as good as I possibly can to show the love of God to people. And nobody to me is doing this better right now, and, and I don't see them uh, in here, or I would just say I would embarrass them, although they're kind of hard to embarrass. But Gene Morris and Greg Rowden, if you don't know them, you need to get to know them because they do this better than a lot of people that I know. If I were to tell you that somebody can make a difference in the lives of the people they interact with for Christ, a lot of people, if I were to tell you it was a fast food restaurant, that they're making a difference for Christ at a fast food restaurant. A lot of you would go, is it Chick-fil-A? And I would say probably, but that's not what I'm talking about. They're doing it sonic. And they're, they're, the way they lead people, the way they love people, the way they show Christ in everything they do. I cannot tell you how many people I've seen come through these doors who work at Sonic and say, I'm here because of one of them. I can't tell you how many emails we've gotten when we sign people up for water baptism and say, can Gene Morris baptize me because he led me to Christ. That's the kind of impact people are having. That's using your street. That's occupying the area that you have, walking with purpose in where you are right now, leading people to Christ where you are. You've heard us talk a lot. You heard me mention it earlier. We talk about our, our trip to China and mission trips and stuff like that. You don't have to go on a foreign mission trip to lead people to Christ. Every step you take is a step in the mission field if you're walking with purpose. Every step. Number two, walk with open eyes. Walk with open eyes. Part of being like Jesus is always watching for the need. Always looking around you, always watching for the need. Jesus kept his eyes wide open. He kept his eyes open everywhere he went. He was, he was watching. He was looking around, looking for people. Looking for somebody that he can impact. Looking for people who are hurting. Looking for people who just needed somebody to care for them. But our tendency is to walk through life solely focused on what's in front of us. Solely walk through life with blinders on. Has anybody ever seen horse racing before? Okay. Anybody ever watched horse racing? Have you ever looked at horses? Do we have a picture of it? I think, yeah. Okay. This is not just a horse trying to be Zorro. Okay. This actually has a purpose. This horse has these things called blinders on. And a horse's eyes are on its, the side of its head. It has great peripheral vision. It can see far distances around him. So the jockeys, when they're running a race, will put these blinders on to keep, keep the horse focused on what's in front of them. And a lot of us, because they don't want the horse to get distracted. They don't want the horse looking at other horses or looking at the popcorn and peanuts in the stands or, or pay attention to that one guy who's screaming just a little too loud who probably has a lot of money riding on the, the bet or the race. The jockey wants the, the horse's attention solely focused on what's directly in front of him. And a lot of us are walking around in our lives like this horse. We're not worried about anything else around us. We're only looked, looking at what's directly in front of us. We're so consumed and concerned with what's, with what's right in front of our lives. 
And if we're being honest, I think a lot of us would say, I'm either guilty of that now or I have been before. We focus so much of our attention on us. We're singular focused. We even do this with God or church. God, heal me. God, I'm going through something. Sometimes we only pray to God when something's going wrong in our own lives. We say, God, I'm, I'm, I don't feel so good, and I looked on WebMD, and now, now I'm afraid I'm going to die. <laughs> okay? So God, can you please heal my life? Or somebody in your family is sick or struggling, and so we pray to God. When is the last time you randomly prayed for the governor of Idaho? Now, that sounds strange, and yes, it's, it's kind of dumb and funny, but when's the last time you prayed for somebody who had absolutely nothing to do with you? I heard one person say one time, imagine what the power in our prayers would be if we completely humbled ourselves and gave ourselves away and really prayed for other people who had zero impact on our own life. I could stand up here and say, I want to pray for the people of China. Why? Because I've been there. That impacts my life. Those are people that I know. I don't pray often for Russia. I don't know people there. How often do we pray for people that have absolutely nothing to do with this? Why? Because we walk around with blinders on. We do this with church. We do this with church sometimes. Sometimes we, 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 we don't get associated, you know, we don't do stuff because other churches are participating. It's why we pray for another church every Sunday here. It's important to us. We, we don't want to be a church that has blinders on. We want to be a church that says, it doesn't matter what the sign on the front of the building says. We want to love people like Jesus loves people. There are things, and I'm just going to just talk about our church for a second. There are ministries, programs, and outreaches that we have stopped doing as a church because there's other churches in our city who do it better than we do. Instead of us trying to do it just because we're a church and we probably should do that, we are pouring money and supporting other churches in our city who are doing it better than we are. Why? Because it doesn't matter what church gets the credit. It matters that people's lives are being changed. We don't want to be a church with blinders. We don't need to be people with blinders either. We need to be looking around us for opportunities at every turn of who we can impact. Does God want good things for your life? Absolutely. Does God want you to ask for things that are important to you in your life? Absolutely. There's no doubt about that. But it's when that becomes our only focus that we have a problem. When the only time we ever reach out to God, when the only time we ever get involved in church is when it's our problem or our church God's saying, you're missing the bigger picture. It's not about us or a church building. It's about reaching people for God. Jesus always kept his eyes open, even if it was at the top of a sycamore tree. He was looking around him constantly for people who he could impact. Number three, and I'm wrapping up. Number three, walk with determination. Walk with determination. Be intentional. Be purposeful. Push through adversity. Jesus was not the only one in this story. Zacchaeus, we all know he was short. And the Bible says that he could not see Jesus because of the crowd. So he ran ahead and climbed the tree. Now, the last time I climbed a tree, I broke my arm. Anybody else feel me on that? Okay, yeah. Um, that was, I think that really was the last time. I was like 12 or something, and I broke my arm when I was climbing a tree. And that was the last time I decided not to do that anymore. But Zacchaeus... He took his, his problem and he did something with it. He was determined to get to see Jesus. He was determined. He could have said, oh, well, you know what? Maybe next time. Maybe next time he comes through my city, I'll see him. Maybe next time. 
I'm just picturing Zacchaeus, okay? You know, if you've heard me speak before, you know I'm visual. I'm just picturing Zacchaeus, short little Zacchaeus, just going, hey! <laughs> just trying to peek over people, just peeking over their heads, just climbing on random people, just trying to see Jesus. It's just not working out for him. And so he goes, you know what, I have a solution. He sees the tree here in the far off distance, so he scurries down past the crowd ahead of everybody, and he climbs up this tree, and he wants to see it. Why? Because he was determined. Um, Lauren and I, my wife, we just bought a new house not too long ago, and it was about a month and a half or so ago. And one week, okay, into moving into our new house, guess what this guy did? He locked himself out of his new house, okay? And it was, I was by accident, I was changing out some locks. We have one of those keypad locks, and I was installing it at our house. And it was, it was early in the morning, and I had just woken up, and I was like, I'll just do this really quick before I start the day. It was... And so I was, I was still in my pajamas, and I go out, and I, I'm working on it, and I thought I had it all fixed, and I turn around, the door closed behind me. Anybody have ever one of those uh-oh moments, okay, in your life? Yeah, that was me right then, because I'm standing there in my pajamas with no shoes on, um, no phone, no wallet, no ID, no nothing, okay? And I'm standing outside my door going, okay. Uh, I just, uh, no words. I just, I, I remember just standing there for a good five minutes, just staring at the door, just hoping it would pop open. And I'm just trying all the codes I can think of, and I'm jiggling everything. I'm like, well, this is just not doing anything. And so I'm like, well, I got to get in the house. I don't have a phone. I have no way. Of, I, and remember, I'm one week into this house. I don't know any of my neighbors yet, okay? The closest neighbors are on the complete other side of the neighborhood. Uh, my family lives a couple miles away, and so I'm like, I'm going to be here a while. And so I, I go around the side of my house. I go to the backyard thinking, uh, maybe, maybe I left the back door open. And I go back there, and Marcy, my dog, just looks at me going, oh, you're in trouble. <laughs> and I try opening the door, nothing. I try a couple of windows, nothing. I go around to the garage. I, we hadn't got the garage codes to, the, to our house yet, so I didn't know the code to get in the garage now, and I'm kind of freaking out. The good news is it's really hard to break into my house. Anybody ever felt comfort in that before? Yeah? You know, you lock yourself out, and you're like, I wonder if people can get into my house easily. No. That's a win. And so now I'm sitting here. I'm 30 minutes in going, I really have a problem now. What, what am I supposed to do? And so I did the only thing that I could think about doing, and it's time to go knock on some doors. It is like 9.30 in the morning by this point, and so people are at work, people are at school, there's nobody around. And so I go to the first house that's close to me that has a car in it. I think, surely if there's a car out front, that means there's somebody there. I can't tell when the garage door is closed, but there's a car out front. I bet there's somebody there. So I go up and ding dong. And I wait awkwardly in my barefoot self, all bedhead and PJs on, just standing out there. I'm not a murderer. Just waiting patiently and nothing. So I, I ring it one more time. I knock some nothing. And so I'm like, okay. So barefoot walking down the pavement of our neighborhood, I go to the next house I see with a car in the driveway. Ding dong. Just... Please, it's so hot. <laughs> nothing, still nothing. I go to four houses, guys. Nothing at any house. 
I'm pretty sure at one house, though, I saw somebody open the window and then close it and nothing, okay? So I finally I get to, I get to that fourth house, and I knock, knock on the door, and I'm, I'm waiting patiently. I'm trying to, I'm even more of a creeper because I'm kind of peeping in the window to see if anybody's home. And out of the corner of my, my eye, I notice that one of my neighbors, their garage door starts to open. And I'm looking, trying not to be really obvious. I'm looking, and I see a lady in her garage. So I did the only thing that you can do. I make a beeline right for her. And so I put myself in her shoes because I'm just picturing her minding her own business on a Wednesday morning at 945 in her garage going through something, looking for something. And all of a sudden, this deranged-looking man with no shoes and in his pajamas is making a beeline straight for her. And so I go up to her, and I'm like, I I say this before I even get to her driveway. I'm not crazy. (laughs) It's okay. I live here. And I say, listen, ma'am, I'm so sorry. I I know this is really weird. I would run if I were you, but please don't. Um, I have just locked myself out of my house. I just need to borrow your phone so I can call somebody. And luckily, by the grace of God himself, she let me use her phone and didn't mace me because that would have been just icing on the cake. But it was in that moment that I, I was struggling with something, and I definitely had obstacles, but my determination was of equal greatness. I was equally determined to get back into my house, even though the circumstances didn't look like it was going to happen right away. There were things that kept getting in my way, obstacles that kept getting in my way. I was a barefoot man, but I was determined to get back into my house. That's how Zacchaeus looked in this moment. He was determined to get to Jesus. Everything else around him looked like it wasn't going to happen. His circumstances were keeping him from seeing Jesus. The obstacles around him were keeping him from getting to Jesus, but his determination and his determination alone helped get him to the top of a tree so he could see who Jesus was. And it was because of that determination that Jesus looked up and said, I'm coming to your house for dinner tonight. How often do we have that same kind of determination when we're trying to tell people about our God? Some of us work harder to go get a McRib when it comes back than we do tell people about Jesus. God is saying to be like Jesus, to shine like Jesus, to be the city on a hill, you got to walk with determination. you got to stand upright. You gotta push down your obstacles. You gotta march. You gotta knock on some doors. You gotta climb a tree. You gotta do something to get to that place. To people that knew Zacchaeus, the thought of him having dinner with Jesus was impossible. But because of Zacchaeus' determination, the impossible became possible. Baseball Hall of Famer Tommy Lasorda once said, the difference between the impossible and the possible lies in a man's determination. That's the only difference. The difference between where you are and where you want to be is your determination plus Jesus equals the impossible becoming possible. God wants to do amazing things in your life. He wants you to be an influencer in your circle. He wants you to be the influencer. So often we, we wait. We want other people to do it. And God's saying, uh-uh, 
I want you to do it. I want you to be the one to make an impact in your family. Don't let a preacher up on stage tell your children about God. You do it. Don't let a TV evangelist or K-Love tell somebody you work with about the love and the hope of Jesus. You do it. You're a city on a hill. You cannot be hidden. Jesus wants us to shine. I want you guys to bow your heads with me this morning.